Welcome everyone to the Road by Road Garden Show, the best dead gum garden show on the radio and internet as well. Thank you for joining us this evening. We got a good show today. We got Jeremy Kickler here. Jeremy, welcome. Um, thanks for having me. Here. Yeah. So Jeremy is our local county agent, but he mm -hmm. is with UGA Extension. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about Jeremy. Um. I'm the county extension agent here in Cockwood County. Mm -hmm. uh, I represent the University of Georgia Cooperative Extension. I've been a county agent for 21 years. 21 years? Yes. You're telling your age a little bit yeah, there, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. So, turn a little gray. Yeah. But I'm um, having fun. Uh, it's a great, great job. Um, just giving research based information to the people from commercial farmers to gardeners to homeowners. Just Trying to give them that non-biased yep. information. So you got your hands full here in Cockle County because Cockle County is, if it's not the largest agricultural county mm -hmm. in the state, it's right there at the top, isn't it? Yes. So every year we do a farm gate survey yep. and Cockle County is either one or two. Right. But most of the time, number one in, in farm gate value in the state. Um, very diverse. Right. You know, so a lot of vegetable production, cotton, uh, peanut production. So... It's challenging, but it also makes it so much fun. And produce as well. That's now, right. one time back in the day, they used to say this, still true or not, said we grew more cabbage in this county than any other cabbage west of the Mississippi. Oh, excuse me, east of the Mississippi. Is mm -hmm. that still true or do you know? I know we're number one in Georgia. Okay. We grow a lot of cabbage. Yes, we do. Yep. So, where you hail from? I am originally from a little town called Elbert, Alabama. Alabama? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm an Auburn graduate. Yeah. So. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, yeah, and you made your way to Georgia? Yes, yeah. yes, so I graduated. You had to get out of Alabama, didn't you? Well, yeah, yeah we got to recruit good people, you know, <laughs> even, even good people come yeah. from Alabama. But um, I've been a county agent, you know, from, from when I graduated Auburn. So right. came over here, met my wife, and... Um, been in Cockwell County since 2014. So your wife's a Georgia girl? Yes. Whew. It's the only saving grace you yes, got there. Yes, yeah. that's right. So, you know, we got somebody we know in common. <laughs> that's right. So you have got what I classify as a big, ugly brother. Mm -hmm. But he's actually a younger brother, but you will you agree with me that he is a big, ugly brother. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got a brother, his name is Corey. Corey. And I've become good friends with Corey, and I can call him Big Other Girls. He's a good friend of mine. But Corey works for the USDA, mm -hmm. and he develops equipment for walk behind tractors. And yes. I got to know Corey at a lot of the trade shows we went to and just uh, become good friends with ours. And then we found out later that y'all were brothers, mm -hmm. but you're his older brother. Yes, yeah, so in our family, I'm the oldest, and I have a male brother named Ben who farms in Baldwin County. Um, and then Corey works for USDA ARS in Auburn. I'm uh, working with uh, organic production systems right. and cover crops and um, right. doing a great job. Evidently, you got pushed away from the table a little bit or, or something <laughs> happened because he made a big old boy. Yes, yes. Yeah, so. Is your middle brother that big? He's a little bit shorter. Oh, is he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't like Corey's what, 6'5 or so? He's 6'2. Oh, he's a little yeah. bit taller than that, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's mm. a pretty good sized boy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Corey. <laughs> Corey also is a dealer for BCS tillers mm -hmm. as well as Grillo really? tillers. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, we might want to put his phone number up. Well, you say we put his phone number up. Well, people, if you're interested in a BCS tiller or Grillo tiller and you live in Alabama or the southeastern United States, 
You may want to contact Corey. He could hook you up. How about that? We'll shoot his information up there. Sounds like a plan. Uh, Corey's a good guy, so uh, he'd be glad to help you there, answer all your questions. He's got a vast knowledge of walk behind tracks. That's basically what mm -hmm. he does. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we'll get a little shout out to Corey there. All right, so let's move into our product of the week. And this is going to be something I'm going to let you help me with here because mm -hmm. I think you're familiar with it. Probably as much or more so than I am, but it's a new product for us. And it is called Vegetable and Organic Weeder. Now, this is one of the onlyest pre-emergent herbicides available out there for the home vegetable gardener. Mm -hmm. And the active ingredient is what we used to call Treflan. Mm -hmm. Yep. This is a pretty old chemistry right here that's been around for a long time. Now, let's tell people a little bit about it and the way it works. Now, this is what I tell people with vegetable gardening. Now, this will also work in your flower beds as well. Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk specifically vegetable gardening today. If you control your, if you can control your weeds without a herbicide, by all means, do it. Do it. Mm -hmm. If you're in a situation where you cannot control them mechanically and you, they're getting away from you, then you do have this option right here you can use to help you with your weed pressure in your vegetable garden. So trifluralin is a root inhibitor. Mm -hmm. um, it has no post-emerge activity. Right. So if you already have weeds that are up, it's not going to help you. Right. Um, and you can incorporate it, mm -hmm. or you can activate it by you know by timely rainfall. Right. Or irrigation. Yes, or irrigation. Yeah, so you need about a quarter to a half inch of right. rain or irrigation to activate, you know, trifluralin. Small seeded grasses mm -hmm. or broadleaves like uh, pigweed, Texas mm -hmm. pannikin, crabgrass. Yep. Really Your cool. normal grasses and weeds that you have so much problem mm -hmm. with in a vegetable garden, mm -hmm. it will control those. Now, it doesn't do anything for nut grass. No. So. But the rest of them, it works pretty good on your common weeds. Mm -hmm. Now, the way you would use this is it's not ideal and you can't use it on everything the same way. You have to be careful on monocots, which is corn. Yes. You can't mm -hmm. use it on corn. What you can use it on is everything else, but you may have to use it in a little different way. Eucurbics, mm -hmm. which is your pumpkins, your uh, cucumbers, and all those kind of things, the plants have to be established before mm -hmm. you can, you can't do pre-plant on those. Right. You have to let that plant come up and maybe let it get what? Five or six inches mm -hmm. high? Let it get established. Then you can go over the top with the trefflan. You can also spray your middles. Water it in immediately if you don't have a rain there. Water it in immediately. I think you've got eight hours to water this right here in. And you want to get it off from that plant. So when you spray, you can get it on top of the plant. Get it on the plant, mm -hmm. it's okay. But you do want to wash it in within mm -hmm. eight hours. And activate some, it and then you know some vegetables such, such as okra you know you can use it as a pre-emerge application peas and beans yes yep yep so peas and beans you can actually incorporate if you wanted to mm -hmm. you could spray it and till it into the soil then plant be sure to just scratch it in maybe one to two inches yeah well you maybe want to rake it in is that the best yeah, way to rake, rake it, it in. in you just don't want to incorporate it too deep because right. you bury the, the herbicide all right. right if you have one of those rotary hairs that, that goes behind a um a bcs or a gorilla you could probably scratch it in that way those things mm -hmm. go real real not very deep it's a good product old product i believe the half life on this is 180 something days you're probably looking at what three to four months worth of control with it. 
At, at best. At best. At best. At best. It, it will get you out of when that plan is small till it gets established. It'll get you into that, that what we call the crunch period there where your weeds normally get away from you. It will help you get you out of that spot. You don't really have to worry about this carrying over the, to the next mm. crop because it's mm. going to be gone by then. So it, it's good for getting that crop established and that's when weed weed competition is, is at, you know, impacts yields the most. Right. So there you have it, folks. Vegetable and ornamental weeder, and also Fever's got flower beds. Mm -hmm. Works wonderful in flower beds. You just have to wet it in within eight hours. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. Remember those surf land? They tell me surf land is yes. gone. That's On right. surf land, we had 21 days to get it watered in. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think surf land is gone. No more. That's what I'm hearing. And and then there's also pendimethylene out. Pendimethylene. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's pretty similar. Yep. Pendimethylene. We call those the old yellers because they. Yes. Yep. Proud. Yep. Pendimethylene has a terrible problem with staining. I don't think this one <laughs> has as much problem with staining as as the proud does. I remember the old timers used to have yellow, yellow hangers. Yep. yep. Yellow yellow boots and everything else. <laughs> yeah. No old pendimethylene. So. Do you know exactly how this works, the mode of action? Because it's always confusing. It's a group me. three. Okay, so when the weed seed actually puts out that finger root, mm -hmm. that's when it gets it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so pre-emergence can be somewhat of a misnomer because we're actually thinking it's keeping that seed from germinating. Mm -hmm. But it actually is letting it germinate a little bit, then it kills the weed seed, right? So, yes. Yeah, and you know I've always struggled with that a little bit, but but when it's that little root hair comes out of that mm -hmm. weed seed, bam, that's when mm -hmm. it gets it. And if you've ever noticed where you had crop damage from one of these where it was over applied, those roots kind of get stubby a little bit, mm -hmm. stubbed out because you can see when they get that. I may be getting you'll a see that. Well, you, you see that with corn. So yeah. If, if you plant, you know, if if you plant corn or a grass crop, you know, you'll get that stubby root type right. of symptomology. Right. And that's that's, that's damage. That's herbicide yes, damage. That's you can look at that. Mm -hmm. We may be getting a little too deep here, but it's okay. But you can look at that root where it run into that chemical and it'll just put like a little stubbiness on mm -hmm. that root there. And you can tell that you got that's a surefire way to tell you got herbicide damage that's a lot right. of times. So mm -hmm. all right. We'll good. move right along. How about that? That was good though. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the poor folks down in the hurricane. You know, the hurricane run up in Mississippi and uh, Louisiana pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the people that were affected down there. We got a lot of customers. Linda Sanchez, uh, we worry about them down there. They're down there on the coast. Uh, we hadn't heard from them. We hope everything is good. I did talk to Wes over at Naked Hog. He's in middle Louisiana. Wes said he had a lot of trees down. They didn't have any power. But I talked to him last night. He said they were doing fine. So... Mississippi also got hit pretty hard, so our thoughts and prayers are out with them folks down there. Hope that it's not as bad as we as we have heard and everything. Everybody fared well on that. But man, they got some rain and some wind down there. And they didn't need it. And they didn't need it. That's so. right. And you know, we have had a lot of rain here. Have you kept <laughs> up with it? Right before I come here, I looked at the... Uh you know, the University of Georgia has a weather weather right. network, and I was looking at the expo the last, after the last 30 days, 20 days, we received at least wow. one, one rate event. Yeah. Yeah, my gardening is struggling a little bit now. I got fall tomatoes in, and I'm having some leaf spot problems on mm. them. A lot of people have had some pithium issues with their vegetable garden, you know, just simply just mm. rotting off. But, you know, it's just one of those things, a challenging it's a challenging time right now to be growing with all this right now. We've seen a lot of disease pressure. Yes, so disease pressures and vegetables and also row crops too. So it's yep. been 
We're share, everybody's sharing love having disease problems right now. We, it seems like we either go to extreme drought, yep. extreme, you know, yep. rainfall, and it's... Yep. It's what we have to deal with. That's right. All right, folks, what we're going to do today, we got Jeremy in the house, and we're going to do a deep dive into basic soil sampling. I think this is a subject a lot of people struggle with, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know why. I always preach, you got to do soil samples if it's not, but one thing you do when you start your mm -hmm. vegetable garden, do a soil sample. It's so important, and it takes just a little bit of time, but it will make a difference whether you're successful or not if you've got some out of whack. Mm -hmm. You know, I see so many times somebody's got a pH problem and they don't know they got a pH problem. And that's one of the easiest things to adjust is pH. Yes, so with a soil test, you know, contact your local extension yep. agent. Uh, we got all the, the bags. If you need a probe, we can loan you a probe, you know. So we have all the resources here to help you, you yep. know, accomplish a soil sample, which gives you so much information um, needed to grow that successful garden. Yep. A basic soil sample. Let's show them a bag. You got a bag here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, here it is right here. Okay, this is the UGA basic soil sample bag. Now, here in Georgia, you can pick these bags up at any extension office. Extension office. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming most other states have extension as well, and you can pick those mm -hmm. up there as well. Now, if you are somewhere else, you could possibly contact a private lab and get your soil sample if you're in an area that doesn't have an extension office or doesn't offer this service. I'm not sure everybody in the United States offers it. Do That's you? right. Um, I'm sure most, most, most extension offices yeah. you know, services. Especially in agriculture areas. Mm -hmm. But I know the UGA does a wonderful job with this right here. And, and they offer this right here. And you would pick this bag up and you would go take your soil sample. You fill this information out yep. on the bag there. Your name, phone number. Um, please fill it up to the line. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get samples that aren't they don't have enough soil. Follow the directions, folks. Yes. It's easy as that. Yes. So, and sampling's everything. Sampling method is everything mm -hmm. when it comes to, um, you know, the information on that soil test report is just as good as a sample that you take. Right. So, let's talk, let's talk about, with a soil sample, how many samples per area? So, I would say probably get a good representative sample of of the area that, that you're sampling um, look at soil type mm -hmm. look at texture um but usually you know 15 to 20 cores okay let's say i got a half acre a garden that's mm -hmm. a big garden mm -hmm. but if i got a half acre garden how many soil samples do i need to take so if it's if the soil is fairly consistent you can mm -hmm. probably get by with one okay now if you have a lot of variation you may want to take it based off soil type okay Okay, I didn't realize that. Another thing you can do, and I've done this in the past, if you got an area in your garden that's not performing well, mm -hmm. and you got another area in your garden that is performing well, you always take a sample of those two areas, label one of them good, one of them bad, that's and right. compare and mm -hmm. see if you got something out of balance there that you can pick up on that you can apply mm -hmm. and make it all even. That's a good one there. I used to put good, for, G for good, and mm -hmm. B for bad on my soil. We'll talk about the uh, labeling the soil sample. And that way, it was a pretty obvious, you know, to, mm -hmm. to compare the two. So I've always thought that was interesting. So we're going to talk about the, the test you get back right here. Now, the first thing you want to do is to be able to take a good soil sample. And to take a good soil sample, you can do it two different ways. You can use a soil probe. Now, do y'all loan these out or do you have to own one of them? I have a couple at the office. Yep. So, uh, you know, they can 
they can check it out. You know, now this is the long one. They make them shorter than this as well. I don't know if we can get all this in the camera. So also have another one that's probably a couple of feet long. For short people. <laughs> yes, for short people. That's right. <laughs> and we have the long one here with the, with the uh, foot peg on there to get down those hard soils. Now, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of tidbit information. If you don't have one of these, this is the way you can get by. So you can take your shovel and go down. You need a good shovel. Go all the way down and kind of pitch your soil back and leave your mm -hmm. opening there. And then take go back about an inch and go back down and push it out and get a profile of that soil. Now, this mm -hmm. is not ideal, but I, this will work and get you a profile of that soil. And you kind of have to get in there with, and pick it out. It may take you a trial or something like mm -hmm. that and get in there and dig it out. But, but you don't want to get a top layer. You don't want to get a bottom layer. You want to get that layer all the way down of what? About eight inches? So with gardening, gardens, you know, six, eight inches. Six, so you, eight you inches. You want to get in the root zone. Yeah. So with lawn, if you're doing one in your lawn also, you know, maybe four inches. Yeah. Orchards, maybe, you know, eight to ten inches. So right. it just depends on how deep, deep rooted that, you know, that crop is. So you want to take you a bucket. And you want to go throughout this area that you want to sample. Mm -hmm. And you said get 12 to 14 representative yeah. groups. Okay. Mm -hmm. So get 12 to 14 samples and put in that bucket. And then mix it all up. Use a plastic bucket. Use a plastic bucket. The reason is because uh, galvanized zinc. buckets have what in them? Zinc. Zinc. And it's going to throw you zinc reading with you. Reading way off. I forgot about yeah. that. That's old school stuff there. Use a plastic <laughs> bucket there and, and mix it all up and then get you a sample out to put in your bag, correct? Yeah, and fill up to the line. Yep. So make sure make sure we have enough soil to test. And then you bring it back to the extension office. One thing is you want to put a correct crop on there. So down at the bottom right here, you got a crop, a place where you put a crop. It's important that you want to put the specific crop on there because recommendations are different for different crops. Mm -hmm. So if you got blueberries, you want to put blueberries. If you're doing general vegetable garden, you would put general mm -hmm. vegetable garden, right? Yes, um, but if you wanted to change it, um, basically when we get the when we talk about the soil sample, um, we get soil, the soil test level nutrients back uh -huh. the levels. We can actually put in a different crop code with the same sample. With the same sample, mm -hmm. yeah. But you do get different recommendations. Yes, definitely. Okay. Yes, sir. All right, and let's see if there's anything we're missing. The crop uh, so sample ID. Sample. Mm -hmm. So sample ID. This is where I use it if I got a good and bad spot in there. So you always want to put sample ID, some kind of representation there where you know where that sample come from. Mm -hmm. Initially or whatever, put one, put B. I use good for good and B for bad. If I got a bad spot there, when the sample comes back there, that's what's going to correlate to that report. Mm -hmm. So always make sure that you understand what it's going back to. So there we have that. Let's get in to what kind of reports you're going to get back. Now, back in the day, we used to have to put our addresses on there, but now with email. You can get your reports emailed back to you. And that increases response time, you know, getting that information yep. back in a timely manner. Which is mm -hmm. great. Because used to, it would take several days to get it back, where response time mm -hmm. now is a lot less. It takes about a week, yeah. you know, a week to 10 days, um, you know, to get the results back to the office, and then we can email yep. it to you. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is what your soil sample looks like when it comes back. Let's see here. This one is home vegetable garden. Now, from this is from the UGA. So this is what you will get back. If you'll notice on there, you do not get a nitrogen reading. That's right. Mm -hmm. So we get in on the basic soil sample, 
is how much? Six dollars plus a little bit of postage. Six dollars plus a little bit of postage. You can do some additional things with that that are additional mm -hmm. cost. Yes, so you can get, you know, things like organic matter. Mm -hmm. um, you can get all kinds of stuff. I'll have to look at the... But, you know, with, with, a, with a traditional soil sample, you're getting a soil test level phosphorus, potassium, calcium, uh, zinc, mag magnesium, and most important, you know, soil pH. Yep. All right, so when you get back, you're going to be seeing this right here. And it's going to be showing your crop up here, what you put in there, the uh, home vegetable garden. And this is sample number one, you see there. And now that's going to tie back that sample number one to the sample ID that you put on the bag there. So you want to know what that is. What If you're doing more than one soil sample, you want to know which one it is when you start looking at it. Now the first thing I always look at is soil pH. Mm -hmm. Now on this particular one, it's showing 6.5. Five, excuse me, 6.0 for a home vegetable garden. Now, I normally like for my home vegetable garden to be somewhere around 6.5, but I think that the, the correct range or a acceptable range would be anywhere from six to seven. Six to six and a half, I like. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, once you get above six three, you tie up some of these micro elements and stuff like that, so. Um, if you look at this soil sample, it, it's we're in pretty good shape. Everything yeah. everything is about you know is over that that line that says nutrients you know right. not needed. Right. On the pH, if you need to adjust the pH, you would do that with lime. Now I would recommend using a pelletized lime because if you use the agricultural lime, it's very powdery. It's very mm -hmm. hard to apply. So you can buy agricultural. Excuse me. You can buy pelletized lime at your big box stores or your garden center there. And it normally comes in around 20, 30 pound, mm -hmm. maybe a 40 pound bag, but it being granulated, it's a lot mm -hmm. easier to apply. You can put that with a regular fertilizer. Spreader. Yes. Um, but also too, you know, please sample, you know, a couple months ahead of time. Try, yep. try to do that because it takes a little time for that lime to react and, yep. and adjust that pH up. Normally we've always said about three months to mm -hmm. react, right? Yes. So if you need pH, um, if you need to adjust pH up, you want to do it with granulated lime. Normally speaking, and I'm going to say normally speaking here, you do a ton to the acre per point to raisin. Mm -hmm. Now that relates back down to about 220 pounds per thousand square feet. Have I got my math right there? I think so. So you would use 220 pounds per thousand square feet to raise it a point. So if you was wanting to go from 5.0 to 6.0, you would use six, 220 pounds on that thousand square feet. Now here's the kicker, folks. Do not apply lime if you do not need it or if your neighbor told you you needed lime and you didn't do a pH. And the reason for that is we can raise the pH pretty easily, mm -hmm. but it is almost impossible to lower that pH. Now it mm -hmm. is, you can work with it some, but it is a lot harder to lower that pH than it is to raise that pH. So many times we have heard, well, my neighbor said I needed to apply some lime. Apply the lime and they shot their pH up around eight. Now they're having major problems in the garden because it's showing micro and uh, nutrient deficiencies. deficiencies and they don't know what to do about it. Well, the only thing you can really do about that is apply elemental sulfur, sulfur. Mm -hmm. and it's a slow process to bring it down. And also, you know, some of these nitrogen forms are, are acidic, like ammonium, ammonium nitrate. nitrate or yes, sulfate. sulfate, any mm -hmm. of those. Anything that's got sulfur in it will help bring, magnesium sulfate, mm -hmm. Epsom salt will help bring it down. 
uh, aluminum sulfate. Mm -hmm. Any of those will help bring it, but it is a slow, a painful process. Mm -hmm. So the takeaway here is know exactly what your pH is before you apply anything. Have a plan. Understand what you're trying to do, and do not depend on your know-it-all brother-in-law or your <laughs> neighbor to tell you what you need to do. All right, since we got the pH out of the way, let's move on to phosphorus and potassium. Now these are one of the three major elements that you need in your soil mm -hmm. that you have to have to be successful garden. And we see here that this one says it's off the chart with phosphorus. So it's hard to bring down phosphorus. It is. And then we see this where we live, we see this a lot. Mm -hmm. We see very high phosphorus. Just about every soil sample that you take within our can will show a high mm -hmm. phosphorus, a high calcium, and high magnesium. But with the high phosphorus there, that is a, is a major element for growing corn. Mm -hmm. Corn loves phosphorus. We see here that we're really loaded with it. You see there, let me see if I can show everybody. You see right there, we're way off the chart with it. So what would you do about that if you, high, if you have a high phosphorus? Um, you can come in and deep turn. You can deep turn. You know, that would that would uh, get the phosphorus down lower. Also, too, you can, you can select a fertilizer that that's has a lower phosphorus. So you would there. want to use something like a 15015, yes. something that's low with that middle number. Now, the third thing you can do is what we used to call farming it off. Mm -hmm. So you could grow crops that need a lot of phosphorus, such as corn there, and it would help take up some of this phosphorus and maybe lower a little bit in the soil color eventually. Mm -hmm. So when you see a very high phosphorus on your soil sample, you know you got good corn growing. So you grow sweet corn. You grow sweet corn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or some good grinding field corn. Mm -hmm. Make some grits and cornmeal out of it. How about that? But in this situation here for, you know, a vegetable garden, we would recommend, you know, 15015 or, yep. or, or, you know, at side dress time or right. something. Stay away from your middle number and use up what you got. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, if you need to add phosphorus, just the opposite. You want to make sure that your middle number in your fertilizer is fairly high. Now, phosphorus is one of those things that is not soil leachable. So once it's there, it stays there mm -hmm. unless you use it up. Right. So if soil sample levels are, are very high, then you have a low percentage or a low chance of getting an economic response from a um, from that nutrient being applied. So expand on it just a minute. So if you have a soil like right here, you know we have 291, you know pounds. That that's actually an index number. Right. So if it's very high, then if you put out phosphorus in this situation here, you you're know, wasting it, your money. Exactly. Yep. All right, so if you do need to raise it, if you're showing in your soil sample or you need the phosphorus, just make sure that you apply that with your fertilizer, keep it in that middle number there. That's where your phosphorus is at. Moving to potassium. You see here, we're okay on potassium, but it's not great. It's in a good range there. But well, we could probably use more. Well, we could probably use more because a lot of your crops love potassium. Mm -hmm. Now, potassium is kind of in between phosphorus and nitrogen it is a little bit soluble so it can be leached out with massive amounts of rain mm -hmm. where phosphorus cannot be but it can be uh, we can apply it and the crops need it a lot of times so you really want to pay attention to that potassium now what does potassium do for the plant helps you with um, overall health mm -hmm. root development mm -hmm. so it's very important that you got potassium there that you know where it's at um, it's something you will probably want to make, pay more attention to over a longer period of time than maybe phosphorus, because it's not going—it's going to move a little bit more than phosphorus would. Mm -hmm. Would you say from year to year on soil sample? 
Potassium, well, you know, if, if for example, you know, we can take off potassium, um, you know, in the in the vegetables, mm -hmm. and also, you know, for example, like like hayfields and stuff, right. you take off a lot of potassium. Or farm it off. Yep. Farm it off. Yeah, farm it off. All right, so there you have it. If you need to add potassium, you can do that with the last number. You're in your, your, like your 10, 10, 10, that last number is potassium. You can add it back that way. Moving on, and what I'm going to, I'm going to put these two together, calcium and magnesium. Mm -hmm. So calcium and magnesium is two of the most misunderstood elements in the soil because, in the vegetable world I'm talking about, because if you go on these forums and you watch people, really, people get confused with this, especially with blossom and rot. But calcium is the element that builds the cell thickness in your bell peppers and things like that, and that prevents blossom and rot. Magnesium, on the other hand, a lot of people think magnesium has something to do with blossom mineral, but it really don't. And these two right here, if you get them out of balance, can compete with one another. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Now, we're in good shape here on calcium and magnesium there. But if I was growing a vegetable garden, I might still consider adding a little bit at bloom time to make sure that calcium did get moved. So you can put up, you can actually put out gypsum. Yep. You know, if you do not need an adjustment in the soil pH, right. um, if your magnesium's high, you need a adjustment in but the soil pH. You can go with the calcitic lime. If you need right. magnesium, you can go with dolomite. Right. Or if you need just magnesium, you can go with magnesium sulfate. Yes. So you could do that. Calcium and magnesium are or work against one another. Both of them have the same. Cation. Cation, mm -hmm. the, the same charge. That's right. Positive. So if you put too much magnesium out there, then you're going to displace calcium mm -hmm. and vice versa. If you put too much calcium out there, you can displace magnesium. And it also, uh, calcium can compete with potassium. Right. You know, we, we, uh, we run into that with uh, peanut production also. Mm -hmm. So if you're growing green peanuts, right. you, know, you, you may want to take a pagan zone sample. Yep. So those are imported, but they're very... They're, they're, they react the same, but you really need to make, make sure that you got a balance here. And that's the key to that, mm -hmm. is having a good balance and not misplacing one with the other. Magnesium has nothing to do with blossom and rot. We see it all the time. People talk about magnesium and blossom and rot. Calcium does, but it gets, and we've done shows on blossom and <laughs> rot. It really gets complicated. But calcium is the one, as far as the soil sample, you want to pay attention to mm -hmm. there on blossom and rot. Now zinc, zinc is important, especially with pecan trees here in the south. Pecans, um, corn. Corn. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, pH has an effect on the availability of zinc. Mm -hmm. too. So um, I think the higher zinc level you have in the soil test index number that you have, the higher pH you need it to be. Right. pH can have an effect on just about everything. That's the reason I always think it's, you got to address that first and then go down mm -hmm. there and start addressing everything else. Zinc is important, maybe not to the point some of these others are, but it is important. And then we got other things that are to pay attention to that is not necessarily uh, shown on the soil sample, the standard soil sample, and that would be boron, mm -hmm. that would be copper, manganese, iron, and we already mentioned mm -hmm. zinc. Those are ones that, that you do not measure on a regular soil sample, right. is that correct? But they mm -hmm. are important. Mm -hmm. And you can, most time you can address that with a micronutrient package applied mm -hmm. to your vegetable garden or to whatever. All right, so when you get this soil sample right here and when you get it back, 
Let's see if we got one. We got one right here. We got one somewhere we can share what the rec recommendations looks like. So we'll see if we can find it here. Hope everybody likes our cards. <laughs> That's not it. So we have... Hold that right there and see if, see if I can find it. Here it is. Okay. So this one here shows the recommendations. You see there, and we're going to talk about that right there. Shows your recommendation. When you get this bag, it's going to show you according to what crop you put on there, the recommendation. And like you said earlier, I didn't realize you can change that crop once mm -hmm. it gets back to the county agent level. Yes, so there, there are crop codes, and you can, as long as it's a Melic 1 extraction method, mm -hmm. which is the university, and a lot of private labs, you know, have the same, you know, extraction method, we can adjust our recommendations based off the crop that, uh, that is produced. So it makes it pretty easy the way the university does it. They give you recommendations and tells you, tell you exactly what to do there. They tell you what to do on your pH if you need to adjust that. Now we give you a little bit more information there about using the pelletize or is easier to apply. But it also gives you things to do as far as fertility to address your soil sample. This particular one is showing to use a 15015 or a 14014 because we've got a high phosphorus level for your general garden there. Now there is some there is some different stuff there. If I'm growing onions, I'd want to use a lot of ammonia sulfate because mm -hmm. onions love sulfur. So this gives you a general guideline what you need to do, mm -hmm. but you can always kind of tweak it around just a little bit. According yeah, every to, farm's different. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially the crops too, according to what you're trying to grow. But I hope maybe this is, is help people out to understand the importance, and we can't drill this home enough, the importance of a soil sample, mm -hmm. especially that pH. And I know people get tired of preach, preaching that, but I preach it all the time. I have seen it over and over again. People make the mistake of uh, adjusting that pH when it didn't need to be or not knowing what their pH mm -hmm. was. All right. Georgia uh, County agents, you can get your soil samples done there, and we're assuming you can get it done everywhere else. If some of you people out there are in a state that didn't offer that, Put a line in the comments below and let us know what what people what states do not offer that service there. Six dollars plus a little bit of postage. You said mm -hmm. he provides a lot of great information. It does. Yep. All right. So as always, we do a little corny joke of the week. How about that? Yes, I, sir. Got, I got one for you here. So why did the potatoes argue? I have no clue. They could not see eye to eye. <laughs> there you have it, folks. You can use that one at your church this weekend. Use it at your civic group or at your family dinner table. Each which one. Feel free to use our corner joke of the week. And Dale Smalley sent that one in to us. So we're going to send Dale a little free gift out for giving us that corner joke of the week. It's a pretty good one, wasn't it? I like it. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks. We hope it helped you today understand soil samples. We tried to... To, to bring it back and do a basic soil sample testing here. And Jeremy, great to have you. We have to have you back again. I would love to come back. You got a wealth of information. So your mm -hmm. specialty is actually row crops, right? Or so not? here in Cockwood County, I'm, I'm responsible for row crop, you know, extension row crop programming, but I also do homeowners. and. You know, that's the thing about county agents. You have to kind of be an expert in everything. Yes. You, county agents probably one of the most you know, fun jobs in the world. You, you know, get you some never weird, know what's going to happen. You get some weird ones, I'm sure. Don't yes, you? I do. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to leave it alone. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Yep, Thank thanks you for being here. Yep. Thanks for the invite. All right. Well, there you go, folks. Now it's time to get out in that dark 
uh, garden, pull that soil sample while, you know, on soil samples, pull it while there's nothing growing out there. You kind of got that lax period when nothing's going on. Now's the ideal time to get there and pull that soil sample, get it sent in, make adjustments to it way before spring gets here. Mm -hmm. Now's the time to get out there and get dirty.